Hey listeners, did you know that Yogi Triathlete offers endurance coaching for body and mind? We offer personalized training plans for endurance sports, wellness and mindset, nutrition and recovery guidance, and race preparation and strategy, all within the supportive community of Team Yogi Triathlete. So if you're ready to conquer your fitness goals and push your limits, our endurance coaches are ready to guide you on the journey to peak performance. Go to yogitriathlete.com today to set up your free 30-minute discovery call and embrace a future of strength, stamina, and achievement. Your goals, our experience, the perfect match for unstoppable success. The narrative is very important because if you're always saying like, oh, I'm never going to do it or here I am again, it's like, well... Your brain is so smart that whatever thought you put in it, it's going to look for evidence of that, right? If you say blue, 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 your brain is going to look for blue, 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 blue. So if your mind is saying, I cannot do it, I'm never going to do it, I fail so many times, I mean, your brain wants you to be right. So it's going to keep giving you evidence in your life that this is true. But if you acknowledge that I know I feel this way, But can the opposite be true as well? Can I be open to change? Then your brain is like, oh, I found some evidence of that. So it's kind of like using your brain and your smartness for your advantage. (laughs) Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. This is episode 396 with Dr. Alex Berger. We are your hosts and Yogi Triathlete co-founders, Jess and BJ. Dr. Alex, as she's commonly known throughout our local channels, is a doctor of acupuncture and oriental medicine. We initially connected with her through yoga, and since then she has assisted both of us as well as our athletes in reaching higher levels of health and wellness. After a recent visit with Dr. Alex, I realized that although BJ and I have sought treatment through acupuncture and Chinese medicine for 20 years now, we have not had a doctor of this medicine on the pod until today. In addition to a doctorate in acupuncture and oriental medicine, Dr. Alex's dedication to being the best healthcare provider she can be has led to her receiving advanced certifications in acupuncture techniques, herbal medicine, nutrition, exercise, yoga, meditation, mental wellness practices, and mind-body therapies. She specializes in pain management, stress reduction, menopause support, hormone balance, digestive health, and emotional well-being, all of which are relevant to the longevity of endurance athletes, since after all, endurance is all about being in it for the long haul. Let's dive in with this brilliant soul and skilled practitioner of one of the world's oldest and most effective medical systems. Dr. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much and for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be with both of you in this clinic and um, I'm very excited about this podcast. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. Like Jess was mentioned in the intro, we've both benefited so much um, from acupuncture all the way back. I'm thinking back to Boulder, uh, Colorado, when you were in massage school, and there was a clinic nearby that you would get discounts at. I think, or you guys had a referral program with. I was so hesitant to go. Of course. <laughs> yes, yes. A lot of people are, you know, selling, uh, I'm going to put needles in you to make you feel better. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's, let's pull on that. How do you, how do you work with people with that initial fear? 
Um, I was one of those people, like, how deep is it going to go? Is it going to stay in me when I go? Like, um, yeah. So how do you work with that? Yeah. So usually I distract people by having them talk about themselves and then what's going on, like really share with me why they're seeking something that is so scary, uh, such as poking needles. A lot of people have needle phobias and I work with kids too. And that was a hard sell because kids don't like injections as much as adults don't. So starting with uh, really knowing why they're here, finding their purpose with their health journey. And then I think explaining how excited I am. <laughs> like I wouldn't be excited to put needles on somebody if it wouldn't help them. And really explaining, you know, the amount of pain that, you know, comparing with the, the pain that you feel with acupuncture, right? Like maybe pulling a hair will be, you know, it's painful, but it's not like the worst pain you've endured, you know, it's like, ow, but it's okay. And then also being very honest and, you know, sometimes it does hurt and uh, going from there and also explaining how excited I am for me to be the fir their first acupuncturist <laughs> because most people are so scared and seeing them going from very hesitant to, oh, oh that was it. I'm like, yes. So I usually kind of play with that comfort level like I scare them a little bit but they know what to expect and then when they actually get a needle they're like oh that was nothing I'm like see can I do another one <laughs> I feel it's and I feel like there's that on the other side of that there's that dull ache or dull sensation that sort of just when you leave the needle in there it sort of just permeates and you kind of sit with that and it is almost like a relief Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of pain that people come uh, with, they don't really pinpoint or sometimes it's like, yes, it's like right here and I can't reach it. And that sensation of the needle doing something, you know, electrical feeling or warmth is like, I, I want to describe it like you're literally pinned down to a table to address why you're here. So just relax and let me do my job. And saying things like that makes me responsible and my patients able to relax. And they're kind of let go. So it's building that trust between my patient and me where we're in this together. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. If something's going to hurt, I'm going to tell you. Like we're in this Uh, as a team. So, and then allowing them to just like put that trust in me and let go, not only addresses the physical pain, but also, you know, all the burden of working with, you know, your job and your family and everything else is kind of like, okay, I'm here for this. I don't know about it. I'm not sure about it, but I trust you. And then that's when I can do my job of holding space for them. Well, I can attest that your needling skills are, are second to none because I was here last week and they're just so gentle. Like I didn't, and perhaps it was the needles you were using and it was, you know, me in that moment, right? Because we're always changing. But um, I had some subpar needling skills before and um, yeah, it can be painful, but um, but overall the medicine itself is, you know, it's been incredibly effective as I've shared with you, I turned to acupuncture when I had West Nile virus and, and I describe West Nile virus as the best thing that's ever happened to me because it turned me into other medicines. Prior to that, it was Western medicine or nothing else. And I just didn't know any other way. And I think that's 
may be true for a lot of people, although these types of medicines are now, I would say they're becoming, if not already, mainstream, which I think is a beautiful evolution of, you know, the incorporation of medicine in our well-being as as humans, especially here in America. But for those that are not familiar with it or are familiar with it, but don't really understand, you know, or know the scope of how ancient and how big and intricate and sophisticated this medicine is. Can you tell us about Chinese medicine? Yeah, definitely. I am fascinated by it. And I've always been fascinated with medicine in general. And um, studying this, it made me realize is uh, it, it goes to the primitive taking care of somebody else. Like uh, the channels and the points uh, or like the points, the acupuncture points were secondary to Chinese medicine. So first, you know, back in the day when things, uh, humans started observing their surroundings, so you, you know, you realize loss or uh, things that you can predict and things that you can't predict with nature. And so that start, that's where it all started. You're just observing your environment and how you feel with it. And then the the act of, you know, when somebody's not feeling good, just putting your hands on them and then starting to to move, you know, to move a muscle that, you know, a part of your body that doesn't feel good. And then realizing that there is a force, there's like a life force energy there, right? Uh, which in Chinese medicine is called chi. Um, in India, they call it prana. Um, or, you know, in English, we say life force or life, right? <laughs> And my favorite definition of chi is um, goes into the Western medicine uh, definition of um, a cell because I'm very West. Even though I practice Chinese medicine, I, I like the Western descriptions too. And the definition of a cell is the smallest functional unit of the body. So if you have a lot of liver cells, they're all functioning as a liver and together they form a tissue called the liver, right? But what makes that cell something different than a cell that is not alive? Is that life force, right? You have a, a functional cell that is alive and that's chi. That, that what makes it functional and alive, right? So... With that in mind, in mind, the Chinese doctors said, "Okay, like this is where do I where do we get this life? Sometimes we get it from our parents because they gave us life. We get it from food. We get it from breathing. We get it from movement. We get it from uh, being protected. You know, like our immune system. And how can we use techniques, uh, therapeutic techniques, or lifestyle techniques?" or meditation techniques to keep this life force healthy so we can have longevity and live uh, with quality of life. So that's like the principle, the most basic principle of Chinese medicine. Um, so that could be done by acupuncture, nutrition, herbs, and a yoga that they call Qigong. Right? So movement, right? And movement and mindfulness. Uh, so it's a Chinese medicine principles. So when you're, when you are working with the needles, like what, what's going on in the body? Yeah. So the medium of life force in a human body is blood, right? Blood, the blood has uh, nourishment, it has oxygen, it has uh, messengers, it has uh, healer, uh, proper, healing properties. Everything we do, uh, it's moving through our body through blood 
right? So what acupuncture does is there's two main things. We move blood in order to create a message to your nervous system because your nervous system is a CEO of your body, right? <laughs> so if something's out of whack, you want the CEO to know and fix it, right? Um, so we use, you know, the technicians, which we, I don't know, like maybe the muscles. And then we, the blood is a messenger that is going up to the hierarchy of the brain and the spinal cord. And then doing something to change that out of whack uh, in your body, right? So we're basically just messengers. We are just detecting in your body what's, what's out of whack and using the needles to give your nervous system a very specific message like, hey, um, you're not paying attention here enough. Can you put like a, a little bit more effort? And your body's like, nah, that's a pattern of disease, right? So the more you do acupuncture, the more your nervous system hears this pattern, and then it changes, right? So you're like, nervous system, can you do this? Yes, I'll do this now. And then you start not needing so many treatments anymore. So it's almost like um, as we as we know now that we can change the brain, right? We can create new neural pathways. This is this is basically what you're talking about. Yes, yes. And because we're physicians, we're looking in the body through the pulse, looking at the tongue, and through touch. Where in the body are we out of whack? You know, where, where, what's going on? And then just changing patterns that maybe from lifestyle or disease. Uh, so it. It promotes the natural ability of the body to heal. When you're finding what's going on in the body and you do that, you go to the wrist mm-hmm. and, you, and we sort of have to be there still and quiet. What What are you feeling? Like, what is it? I know you're feeling the pulse most likely and the energy, but how do you, what, what is the conduit for that? Is it a feeling? Is it just experience that you can tell, for instance, uh, you've had a stressful day or you're low in iron? Like, how does that process? Yeah, happen? yeah, we are definitely feeling the pulse. There are six positions in each hand related to uh, the 12 primary channels in the body. The channels also relate to the organs. Not necessarily the same thing, but it gives you an idea. So we are feeling for speed of the pulse, quality. Like, for example, if you're in a lot of pain, the quality feels like like a guitar string is touching your finger. In a way, it's like very edgy and like sharp. Uh, that's like pain or stress, right? Uh, and this is very superficial of how you know, pulse studies go very deep. But Or maybe you can't feel a position. You know, there's six positions that you're feeling and so you're like, okay, I can feel one or two really good, but I can't feel the rest. So that gives you an idea of where in, like out of whack things are. So uh, athletes, for example, have very slow pulses because of how much cardiovascular exercise they do. Uh, so you have to keep these things in mind, right? But if you have a, a patient who is uh, not an athlete, has a very slow pulse, you're like, okay, like something's going on in here. Uh, or it's very fast. So then you start inquiring, like, what's going on? Do you eat a lot of spicy food? Or like, you know, do you have high blood pressure? Stuff like that. Yeah. So food is a big oh yeah, uh, big contributor to pulse, to, to lifestyle, to... Um, and so th- do those triggers... Are you able to pick up on that? So when you ask a, an, a person, so for me, you know, like um, I eat a lot of smoothie bowls, cold, and I probably should have more warming foods, but you can feel that. You can feel feel that, I guess, for me, it would probably be cold. 
Yeah, we've probably talked about this before mm. when you come here. Have. <laughs> I'm like, maybe some tea after your smoothie. <laughs> But yes, uh, I joke with my patients sometimes and tell them like, don't re you don't really have to lie to me because oh no. <laughs> and sometimes it's constitution too. Like it's something like even if you have like the perfect lifestyle for your condition, you're still born with that, with the chi that your parents give you, right? Like sometimes things are genetics and sometimes things are lifestyle. Um, but yes, you can, you can definitely be felt on the pulse, but I use three diagnosis tools because one is just not enough. So first, yeah, you know, if you've been here with me, so I feel the pulse first and that gives me like an overall, like, okay, like an overall picture. And then I go through every channel in your forearms and legs. That's a very specific style. And then I'm looking for that. I'm looking for evidence of that same pattern that I found in the pulse. So it's like clicking. And then lastly, I look at the tongue. And for me, the tongue is like the wrap of everything. And the tongue will tell me a lot about food, right? If it's like same thing, like looking for color, looking for moisture, looking for a code, you know, especially... Uh, people who have similar lifestyles like alcoholics have the same tongue is it's nuts how it's like I'm like hmm, how many drinks are you having a day and then I start to paint a bigger picture um, with those three diagnosis tools yeah huh. yeah you can't hide anything from Dr. <laughs> Alex sometimes, I was like I'm going through my head I'm like no I think I've been honest yeah, sometimes. Well, if, you, if you want to heal like get to the get to the root of it right if you really yeah. if you're here to heal like Let's get to the, the root of all this. Yes, yes. And, and sometimes it's something so easy. I, I have patients where we're like, well, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, do you eat a lot of spicy food? And they're like, yes, every day. And I'm like, why don't you stop that? And things get so much better. <laughs> something so small. <laughs> Can you talk about the mind-body connection? Um, when I turned to Chinese medicine and uh, at the same time... It, I turned to homeopathy as well. I was I was working with a couple different practitioners because you know when you have when you're 30 and you have West Nile virus and you're told we don't know if you're going to die, you're like okay I have to seek some options. Um, but it, with you know there's so many similarities once you start going through this um, any medicine that that reveres the body's ability to heal itself, you know, and all we need to do is support that. But the, the one thing that really blew me away so many years ago was this mind body connection that they're not separate. They're not separate. Yes. I love that you finished that saying that because for me, it, it just, one can exist without the other. And it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? Like uh, you're in pain because you're stressed or you're stressed because you're in pain. Right. <laughs> so, um, And the way the physical body heals, I, I've always found interesting that when we're in pain or we something's out of whack, our emotions piggyback on that. It's like, you know, I feel bad anyway, so why not like bring all this stuff from the past or the present, you know, like <laughs> since we're not feeling good. <laughs> so I see that a lot. And um, it's amazing how little things like acknowledging that can make a big difference in physical health and in mental health as well. What are some of your favorite um, go-to like mindful practices? I My favorite is just observing how you're talking to yourself. Just that. Not because a lot of people sit here and they say like, I know I should. I know I should be thinking or I should be grateful or it's okay. And I'm like, it's not okay. 
you know, if it's not okay, just let's acknowledge how you're thinking and how you're talking to yourself. It's okay to not feel okay. <laughs> you know? And I, that's my favorite is just actually giving you the space to feel what you feel, even though you want to be better or you need to show up in a certain way here. No, there's no need to put any shoots or anything, just what it is. Yeah. And in piggybacking that, that feedback loop of, I should be doing stuff. If you should be doing it, you would be doing it, right? There's that element of you, you would take action on it, but you're not ready for that action yet. So sounds like what you're talking about, just accept, accept where you are, but it's also like accept where you are and, and trust um, and believe that you're going to take yourself with your guidance, that you're going to take yourself to where you want to go. But it's that bridging that gap between where we should be, which is so far ahead. And and you should have goals and dreams and aspirations, but it's like, bring it back to right now. And right now, it's really powerful to, to see where you're at today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like the shoot is already like a failure, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not there. And yes, the goals are great. Feeling better is great. I'm all up for health. But knowing and like holding space for what's not okay is it's understanding. It's data. It's being curious about like, why are you not stopping your habits? You know, of course, if you could, you would. But let's learn now like let's be okay with where you are right now and the narrative is very important because if you're always saying like oh i'm never gonna do it or here i am again it's like well your brain (laughs) your brain is so smart that whatever thought you put in it it's gonna look for evidence of that right if you say blue 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 your brain is gonna look for blue 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 right so if your mind is saying, I cannot do it, I never gonna, I'm never going to do it, uh, I fail so many times, I mean, your brain wants you to be right. So it's going to keep giving you evidence in your life that this is true. But if you acknowledge that and you're like, wait, <laughs> I know I feel this way, but can, this, can the opposite be true as well? Can I be open to change? Then your brain is like, oh, I found some evidence of that. So it's kind of like using your brain and your smartness for your advantage. <laughs> how would you, quick little moment, how would you pump the brakes there on the mind seeking that hamster wheel of thought that says, I, I, it can't be me. It happens to other people, but not me. How, how would you recommend to your clients, like, get in that gap? Yeah, it's a, it's a practice similar to exercise. You know, you have to be consistent and disciplined and have some little rules, right? Like not criticizing yourself, for example. And then when you're like in having this thought, like I won't criticize myself. And then you find yourself criticizing instead of being like, oh, I'm criticizing again. It's like, oh, 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 I'm criticizing. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's gonna, it, it's data for you to be curious and then using negative thoughts as, oh, this is an opportunity. Not where to be where you should be, but just to sit and be like, hmm, I'm doing this right now. And that will start turning that wheel. <laughs> I love everything that you're saying about that. And it's so true. Like just giving people that permission. And I think that includes the three of us too, right? like the shoulds and the beating ourselves up. It's like, just observe that. And just, is there, is, is the opposite 
can the opposite of this be true as well? And I think the breath um, is a great interrupter and it's making conscious contact, you know, with the present moment. Um, I want to ask about cupping because it's all the craze in the <laughs> endurance world. I was just uh, doing the scroll through Instagram and I saw, you know, a, a professional athlete jumping in the pool and their entire back <laughs> is just like cupping, 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 all the evidence of cupping. Um, can you tell us about that technique and, and why it, uh, why it seems to be particularly helpful or trendy in the athlete world? Yeah, well, I think it's trendy because it kind of looks cool in a way. Like it's like a very uh, circular bruise. It's like, how did you do that? I don't get it, you know. <laughs> and then you have heart shapes, and it's like a very brandy thing, right? Have you seen the cups that have like a heart shape? No, I love that though. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's great for your medicine, right? It's like, yeah, make it as trendy as you want. Let's Super keep going. Super cute. Yes. Um, <laughs> Super cute. But yeah, cupping is a great technique. I, I like to describe it as a, the opposite of a massage, right? Because a massage, you're pressing down the muscle to cut the circulation, and then you take your hand off and all the blood rushes. Cupping is the opposite, right? It lifts the skin and the tissue so the, the blood can run, run through. So again, stimulating circulation, again, moving blood, which is our medium, right? Acupuncturists are um, blood benders. You know? So uh, I think for athletes is very helpful because endurance training creates a lot of breakage in the muscle, right? Their muscles are breaking down all the time and it creates pools of blood, right? Like blood not moving and tension and tightness and exhaustion. So the cups will get very purple and the more blood is not moving. So that's why in athletes, you see this like black, dark purple circles. And the theory behind it is like the more you move the blood, the less purple the circle should look, right? So I think for athletes, it's, it's important and it's helpful, just as anything else. But because you are exhausting the muscle and you're creating these pools of blood, it really helps with that continuous circulation after breaking the muscle. When I had cupping done uh, year, years ago, I haven't had it recently, I remember one spot or two spots and under the cup, it would actually like pull out like stringy, I think it was blood, but it was like gunked up. Is that... Is that a thing? Yes, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> it, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> we've seen a lot of patients that, yeah, have like a like a thick kind of, it's like a thick sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's black. So that is talking more in like the toxicity that can be in the muscle. Um, maybe lifestyle related, maybe it can be dermatological, uh, it can be even, we we're talking about mind connection, it can be like mental uh, strain in the body, uh, but it's very possible. I think mostly related to diet and deeper conditions, like blood conditions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I have to get it done again and see if anything else comes out. I know you're so intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and in China, I think it's not legal in the United States, but in China they do blood cupping, which is when they they do a little incision with a lancet and they put a cup in the incision and then you pull all this blood and sometimes the blood comes out black. And that just means that it's all blood and it's just not moving, right? So gunky sweat (laughs) or 
discharge. It might be like some old toxicity stuck in there from who knows when. And the more you do cupping and the more you clean up your diet, this should um, clear out. So with cupping, with um, acupuncture, you're basically in the herbs that you probably prescribe to help remedy some of the things that you uncovered in the session. It's basically clearing up roadblocks. So things are getting stuck. Uh, and that would probably be the pooling of the blood or even let's talk about energy, like energy getting stuck in one certain area. You're just working to clear out those roadblocks. Yeah. We clear out. And then sometimes some people are too clear, right? It's like blood is just like, like (laughs) rushing super highway. And you're like, Whoa, you know, we don't want, you know, this can cause like dizziness or vertigo or like red eyes and things like that. So we are, we're, usually removing blocks, but we also put in some, some breaks where it needs to be. Um, and always constantly looking for that equilibrium, that homeostasis, mm. because even if we're perfect, you know, we all, we are always looking for that balance. We always kind of tilt a little bit to one side or the other. And that, that's why acupuncture is great for maintenance too. Some people are super healthy and they come for just maintaining health. And it's because even if you're perfect, <laughs> you still are human (laughs) and in longevity too. We are, it's just a natural aging process where you need support in different ways. Ooh, that's a buzzword. Uh, So you're saying acupuncture can help you live longer? Um, well, yes, <laughs> I think so. Uh, but not acupuncture alone. I think health practices on its all together and, um, really that relationship with, with yourself and in your life and your own chi, I think that's what we're not focusing so much in length, but in quality. I think that's, um, our goal. Yeah. Living, living, not just living long, but, but living well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you incorporate moxa? I do sometimes. It's not some acupuncturists really, really are into moxa. I haven't gotten there yet, uh, but I do. Yeah. Can you I talk can... a little bit about moxa, like what what it is? Yeah, moxa is an um, herb, and it's really great for warming the channels and warm for heat. is a great conduit for uh, circulation as well. So as you notice. What does acupuncture do? Cupping moxa is all about circulation, and it depends. Sometimes uh, circulation is blocked by cold, just just being cold, and that can be from smoothies. It can be from living in, you know, Massachusetts. I don't know, uh, but uh, it promotes that warmth in the channel that will open the vessels for blood to circulate better. Yeah. And, um, along those lines, you know, that's years ago when I first was introduced to this medicine, it was, I was always encouraged to put a little heat on my food. Even if I was having a lot of salads, we were living in Colorado, it's like winter and you know, you're trying to quote unquote eat healthy, but they were like, even if you make your salad and then just throw it in a saute pan and put a little bit of heat on it. And what does that do not just for the body, but does that affect digestion as well? Oh, yes. You're talking like a Chinese medicine doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we don't like cold foods. And the, the reason is because it's when you ingest a lot of cold foods, you, you give your body the job to also warm it up for your belly. So you're doing more work. So some people, great. Some people have a lot of stomach fire or they, uh, 
great digestive power and they can digest anything, no problem. But some people, uh, their digestive is a, a system is a little weaker. So having them also have to warm up their food as they ingest it, process it, it's like an extra step that we can save. So if you have warm foods, at least that's like a little less work for your digestive system to deal with. And are you fans of like not too hot, not too cold, but warm? Yeah, warm. And I'm also, I like when people do what they like. You know, if you like your smoothies, if you like cold foods and your salads, like that's great. But maybe do some hot tea after and just always uh, adding something warm um, or hot some people don't benefit from eating a lot of hot foods either. You know, just those people who have like a lot of digestive fire that I was talking before. No, we don't want spicy food. <laughs> we don't want hot food, you know? <laughs> so it's again, that balance. But in general, if, if somebody who's having a lot of digestive issues, w- eating warm foods or less raw foods in general will be more beneficial. Mm. I agree. I I found some benefit with that as well. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we did not touch upon menopause since that is one of the things that um, you're supporting me with and and then also one of your specialties. Um, And, you know, I feel like I've never given birth to a child, but I'm starting to feel like menopause is like childbirth. Like we're we're just in, in... maybe more so than ever information is getting out about it, but I feel like it's one of those things. It's just like, um, well, you figure like nobody tells you about it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, what's going on? Like I've slept eight hours solid my entire life. And now I'm waking up in the middle of the night, like ready to clean the house, you know, like ready to go. <laughs> and, um, so could you speak, uh, speak about that? Um, yeah, I have a follow up question, but I want to just hear, you know, just, just riff on, on menopause and, how, how acupuncture Chinese medicine can support it? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Uh, menopause, my specialty came to me because of the need. I have so many patients who are going through it and they just don't know what to do. And the main concerns about menopause besides hormone balance, because that's what's, what's, that's what's happening, is protecting cardiovascular health and bone health. And acupuncture can really help with uh, the balance of going through uh, a hormonal change and then using a long uh, exercise that is really important and uh, eating better. And we talked about this before, we process food differently uh, as women uh, and aging, right? Uh, And some things that seem that we could have done before, like years before, we just cannot do that anymore because we don't have the hormonal support to do that. So a lot of women think that continue eating the same amount of calories or the same amount of sugars in the form of not necessarily refined sugar, but uh, rice and pasta and bread, uh, that can have a big effect on our hormones and the way menopause is changing bodies, right? I haven't given birth either and I haven't been through menopause either, (laughs) but I can see it in my patients. And there is a lot of support out there with uh, mimicking hormones and, you know, hormone replacement therapy and uh, supplements and all of this. And I think Chinese medicine is really good at pinpointing what that woman needs because we don't all need the same. 
when it comes to supporting menopause. I'm glad you brought out the hormone replacement therapy. Um, and I've read a little bit about that. And from the Ayurvedic perspective, um, not that they're saying like, don't do it, but there's also this idea of honoring um, the, the the body's natural shift into a new phase of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do how does Chinese medicine look at something like hormone replacement therapy? Well, um, it is a little tricky because we usually don't recommend pharmaceuticals unless they're extremely important. So once again, it depends on the woman and what symptoms uh, is she suffering in that moment, right? Because some things can be really uh, be addressed with herbs. Um, some people have gone through pharmaceutical and then not have success, stop them and still suffer. So it's really a case-by-case case, um, problem to solve. And that's what Chinese medicine is really good at. It's like being, we're kind of like the, the medium between, uh, or the mediator between, um, should you, you just do lifestyle changes and herbs or no, I really think you should, you should get support in, in the range of suffering or problems that menopause can bring is so wide that it's hard to generalize. Mm-hmm. And, are there things that women can be doing in their 30s to help ease, you know, the the escalation of, you know, becoming symptomatic in their 50s? Yes, this is going to sound very cliché and I think clichés um, work because <laughs> they have been there for a long time. Exercising, resistance training and eating less sugar. It really helps creating a good foundation for maybe suffering less through menopause. It's still also genetic bound. So it's not a nice idea to ask um, mom, aunts, grandma, if still alive, uh, what, what happened to them and how they managed to have an idea. But in general, lifting or doing any resistance training. So we keep our muscles strong to protect our bones in the future and our heart with also cardiovascular exercise and then eating less sugar is vital because it's so inflammatory and it affects our hormones in our 30s. So having balanced hormones earlier in life, it won't guarantee, there's no guarantees, but it might prevent suffering more. Or if you are suffering from hormonal changes, your response to treatment will be faster and more efficient. And so sugar is so interesting, right? Because of endurance athletes. So somebody's listening to this and going, I can't have like my gel anymore and Iron Man. Mm. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit about this healthy balance for athletes who need those carbohydrates? Yeah. So athletes are an interesting group because you are putting your body into extreme situations that a regular person wouldn't, right? So you are supporting your body for an extreme event. It's not necessarily a lifestyle, right? You're not doing the gels all the time. Um, You're not doing um, a bagel load every night, you know, (laughs) or a pasta load every night. So it's something to to think about like what you're exposing your body and the consequences of that. And then maybe choosing, uh, choosing sources that are more natural if possible. Uh, I know some of those gels are great and I think 
knowing what you're doing, what exposure you're putting your, your body into, and then just uh, acupuncture. I've supported patients in between races where, you know, you endure, endure, you have to you do what you got to do carb-wise, and then you'd have like a recovery phase where you can balance that out. And I like that because, again, just like I support a smoothie and ice cream, sometimes I want to support, uh, you know, the ability to endure uh athletic events as well. Yeah, I think that's the uh, a balance. And we talk about that a lot, having that solid foundation of a diet um, for the majority, 95% of your life. And then when you lead into a race, you know what to do to perform well um, as a unique individual. And I think that changes as your taste buds change, as your gut changes. So uh, yeah, I, I think what has happened is we got carried away a little bit and we're taking these sugars in every workout every day. And then we're like, we're always hopped up, but I think, and we've experienced this. I know Jess and I personally having this whole food plant-based diet lifestyle going, and then you get lead up to a race and for 72 hours, 48 hours, you're not really having anything green <laughs> or healthy, you're kind of like eliminating that, the work of the stomach and keep things super simple. But then right after that, it's right back to, okay. right back to it. Um, what is Chinese medicine, or what is their perspective on the extreme endurance? Like, you know, us, you know, me, you, you've worked with me, my heart rate, yeah, it's low. You feel that you look at the way my body, um, reacts, how, there's times where there's sensation and blockages, but there's also times when things are moving pretty clearly. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm extreme, but I do endure for a long distance. What does Chinese, Chinese medicine think about going to that extreme level or, or pushing? Yeah. Yeah. And well, when you sweat and you endure so much, it's kind of like similar, a similar situation from like giving birth or going through a traumatic surgery where you lose a lot of fluids and that has an effect on aging or longevity because uh, you're putting your body through uh, an extreme situation. Uh, so I think in the Chinese medicine perspective is not do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have to do it because we want to preserve that chi, right? <laughs> so I think uh, it goes similar to what we talked before. And then, yes, the balance, if it's something that you want to do and you know in your heart, this is your purpose and you can do this extreme um, act, then really putting um, space to rest mm. and recover and know Chinese medicine, if you if you come to me, for example, you know, I'll give you herbs to build your blood back up, make sure you're eating enough protein. And it's something that also with menopause, uh, the conversation we were having similarly, and like sugars have to come down because the inflammation and protein has to go up because you want to rebuild these um, muscles that were overexerted. So we're talking about that balance, you know, an extreme will take you to that extreme. So then you have to extremely, you know, take care of that part, supplement, rest. You know, I think we've talked about resting and athletes are difficult because they don't want to rest, you know, and I don't want to rest either. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that's the part with acupuncture and Chinese medicine really helps again with that. You're literally pinned down to a table to relax and being reminded that, you need to rest if you want to continue with the lifestyle that you love. I love that pin to the table. Um, <laughs> I remember 
you don't, I don't think you do it. Maybe you do. You leave the room, like when they put the needles in and they're like, I'm just going to leave for a little bit. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> you're in there by yourself. Like, man. You're like, please is- don't roll over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's funny because the longer I wait there, the more, the more energy flow I feel, the more dull ache, it kind of dissipates. And then you're just like in this, uh, euphoric state a little bit. Um, and then I, I do want to touch upon when you come in and you do this, like you start at the forehead and you go around the body and it's kind of trippy because I feel you on my <laughs> left arm and hand and then all of a sudden you've gone around the whole body and then you're back at the top and I'm like somehow I didn't feel anything on that other side yeah. what is that from? what is that from is that just I don't know just <laughs> you're euphoric so yeah yes, yes I have it's very funny uh, most of my patients say that like wait I thought you were touching my feet how come you're touching my head now like I don't how can you be in two places at the same time <laughs> And I think it's that the relaxation, uh, the letting go that we were talking at the beginning. I don't, this type of routine that I do, I don't call it any specific healing technique, is me kind of being there, just kind of like having your back and reminding you that you don't have to do anything. It's me doing my job. And people actually, just doing that for my patients, relax them them enough to kind of, you're kind of like in between sleep and and not sleep so then you think i'm doing something but i'm just i'm just holding your back Mm. you know i just got your back (laughs) basically and it's great i I find it very fascinating because it's not like a energy transfer it's not i'm not reading you i'm not doing anything else than just holding that space for you and another principle of Chinese medicine is that the only way the body can heal is that your flight and fight response is off because when you're running from a lion, your body's like, oh, you have like a little scar there. Why don't we put some, you know, some energy into that? It's not going to go there. Or um, I know you have like some sort of bacterial infection in your belly. Why don't we use the energy for that? Your your body's going to be like, we have to run and be away from this danger, right? But in acupuncture, we activate the other side, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. When you're completely resting, your body's like, you know what? It's time to address this. And we have time and we have the energy. And that's what I'm doing when I'm just doing my little rounds of routine is reminding your body like there's no lion here. You just have to relax. We can heal. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, I was w- always wondering if there were, and I tell everyone about that experience. <laughs> um, but I, I love the, just, you have your back, like you're creating a safe environment, a safe zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fight or flight, like, especially back back to the needles, like if you just take a deep breath and breathe out, and I know acupuncturists do that every now and then when they put a needle in, just take a breath in, breathe out. Mm-hmm. It really sets the... Uh, the energy that it's okay. Like things are okay. Like, and it actually helps settle into what is actually going to happen when you actually put the needle in, which is that release. Yeah. Yeah. And there are techniques of like tonification and draining when it comes to breathing. So again, like I said, right at the beginning of the the episode is like, uh, breath is a way that we get energy as well. So mixing those two, it's just all these components that, that create that space. So we talked about, um, you know, menopause and support for women, but, um, I'm also a big advocate for men. I feel like 
I don't know. I, I could, I might get persecuted for this, but I feel like in a way we've kind of put men out, to, out to pasture, you know. And um, I think there's a lot of suffering in silence. And um, I just, I don't see, um, you know, on a deeper level, I don't really see a difference between men and women. Everybody needs to be supported. However, we incarnate into these bodies that need different types of support. And so I just want to bring up, you know, men's health and how, um, you know, maybe specifically like a master's athlete, like BJ, which I think you're a master's athlete now Mm. that you're over 50 and how acupuncture could or can and does support men's health. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Men and women um, both need to be supported in the same way. And it's interesting to see um, men and women aging differently and the, the needs are different as well. Um, you know, usually women have more issues sleeping and men have more issues with pain and inflammation. And it's just a general idea, but it can, it can switch. Um, my favorite part, because it's very individual, right? I can't really say like, this is what I do for men, but my favorite part is that, that they don't really need to tell me a whole lot. In my experience, men don't really like to talk about it or they're more precise. Like my neck hurts. That's it. It's not like, oh, my neck hurts because, you know, um, and I love that because they don't really need to tell me anything else, right? The pulse, the palpation and the tongue will tell me. And when the more they relax, the more I can go deep into what's going on. And that's my favorite part about acupuncture. And I tell my patients, I have a background of counseling, but I don't need it. I don't need it for everybody. And especially with men, um, it's just, they just give it, give the trust to me, like feel my pulse, don't ask me questions. And um, my favorite way to support is uh, that it's like that they're not responsible in that hour <laughs> to know or fix it or uh, having the ones to have to support or carry that. It's like actually time for them. Um, and I do touch more into diet when it comes to. Um, digestive issues because you know we're not treating hormonal issues so much in men it's more digestive and um, cholesterol uh, blood pressure health with men is more common Mm. than hormonal support yeah, I love that idea. Um, I work with a lot of men in, you know, in my mindset training and just being able to hold that space where, you know, you can allow them to, to soften into that parasympathetic state, you know, whether I'm taking them through a meditation, um, it's just so wonderful. I, I, I believe there's just this kind of generational pressure, right? Um, and, um, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad you spoke to that. Thank you. One thing we haven't talked about though, is how did you get here? Like, <laughs> how did you find Chinese medicine in, and yeah, tell us your journey to where you sit today. Yeah. Well, I think this fits perfectly for you guys' podcast because when I was, uh, I, I was a swimmer, uh, I started at age four and around age 12, I was competitive, uh, competitively swimming for my school And I had issues breathing through my nose at night. Um, I couldn't breathe through my nose. I have to sit down or not sleep. Um, And, you know, if I will go to a sleepover and I didn't have medication, I couldn't sleep. So I told my mom, like, um, you know, what's what's up with this? I don't want to be on medication the rest of my life. And my mom, which is like the doctor of the doctor, (laughs) she will always go to the acupuncturist first. 
before she would seek uh, allopathic medicine or conventional medicine. And she's like, let me take you to my friend and we'll see. And I go to this office in Venezuela. I grew up in Caracas and really interesting office, you know, smell like incense. I don't know. And this very sweet man from old man from Peru, he, um, Walk, you know, walk me over, felt my pulse, did all these things and put a few needles in me. And I, f- I think it took like two or three treatments and I never had issues with my nose ever again. And I was like, wow, I want to be like this guy when, when I grew up. So different that I've ever had before. And I had the best pediatrician. So they were both my role models, right? My pediatrician, Western medicine and my acupuncturist that I went to him every time I had something too. So I always knew I wanted to do something with, with acupuncture or medicine. And I pursued a career in uh, clinical psychology. And when it was time to do my graduate um, school, I was like, oh, I can study acupuncture. So it was like a full circle that I found acupuncture back. But it was, it's been a part of my life and my healing, in my healing tools since I was 12 years old, thanks to my mom. <laughs> Wow. I had a similar experience with acupuncture and allergies. Wow. Had, you know, maybe one to three sessions and I haven't had allergies since, you know, I was like so stuffed up and I got allergy shots and all those things and nothing really was sustainable. And, um, yeah, so it's so unique, you know, it's so unique. We are such unique bodies and unique beings, you know, uh, our histories and everything. Uh, and that's what I love about it too, is that we're not templates that, um, that you're really caring for the individual. That's an, I'm so glad I asked that question. What an incredible story. Are you ever going to go back to swimming? Cause we're our, uh, an endurance, uh, podcast. <laughs> wow. I don't know. You know, last time I went in a pool and I remember my competitive years and I was like so confident and I did like two laps and I was like dying. <laughs> and then I smelled like chlorine the whole day. I was like, what's happening? But maybe, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm open. <laughs> you do long, um, you do long hikes and walks, don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's my favorite. Yeah. With yeah. Frida. With Frida, yeah. my dog, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's sometimes here at the clinic. Sometimes I, I bring her and she she's very uh, sympathetic. She'll put her mm-hmm. head on mm-hmm. my patients and be like, pet me, you'll feel better. <laughs> <laughs> what um what do you love about what you do uh, for this? Is uh, I'm assuming, because um, we're people who pursue our passion and it's now become our... <laughs> Our business, um, yeah. What is it? What is it about it that you love so much? Uh, I my favorite thing is to grow with my patients. What we were touching about, um, just being present and being open to change. I feel that. Well, first it keeps me very honest because uh, being sitting here and being like, "Well, you have to do some changes," really makes me check in with myself and see how. How am I doing these changes? And growing with my patients, like that vulnerability of like, I don't have it all together, but you know, we're here and let's do the best we can together. So my favorite part is to be able to be in my own journey as I hold space for others. So I feel it's like a give and receive practice. And I really like that. (laughs) We all wrap, time to wrap it up. All right. We could talk forever about this yes. stuff. <laughs> um, so people, so I, you also travel, like you travel 
Didn't you go to, you haven't been to Costa Rica. Where'd you go? I went to Guatemala. Guatemala, that's right. Yeah, yes. I did a permaculture and herbal design course in Guatemala, and that was really beautiful. Um, I was able to do some acupuncture and teach some classes when I was there, and that was fun. And yeah, I love to travel. I always have a stash of needles with me everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. I mean, they can come here, Carlsbad, which is such beautiful, beautiful location. Um, but you do travel occasionally and you do have needles with you. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, kidding. people are more open to acupuncture nowadays and they they know people who know me and trust me. They're like, hey, I have this pain or I have this. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, let me just put a needle in you <laughs> or two. And uh, it, I love it. It's, uh, it's funny. I actually do have stashes of needles in every uh, family member that because <laughs> I know they're going to need it or I'm going to need it right mm. I treat myself um, and it's kind of funny to walk around with like needles in my face and my family's like what are you doing <laughs> great. Um, yeah and as we do we wrap this up um, what would you say what do you have to say just to athletes in general and um the truth of how Chinese medicine can support them. Yeah, it's like always connecting to your purpose and knowing what comes, what responsibility comes with that. What we were talking before, like yes, so completely supporting, uh, wanting to do something extraordinary like a triathlon or a a marathon or whatever they want put their minds to, and then also taking the time to balance that and rest and. Um, receive as well you're giving so much of yourself you're putting so much effort it's like it's okay to step back and uh, contemplate and have patience with your journey and also as you age you know understanding what comes with that to to slow down so I think um, for athletes is the, mo the most important thing is balance but that is the same thing for everybody right it just depends so where do you want to take that balance or what degree do you want to take that balance to the extreme that's such an such an important message because a lot of times after somebody will finish an ironman and i've had these conversations so many times about the importance of the rest and the restoration, that the Ironman isn't just a day, but we tend to only think about the lead up. And then afterwards, a lot of times athletes are like, well, I've taken all this time away from my family. Like I got to like show up for this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And it's like, they enter into this or, or stay heightened in their nervous system because they feel like guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They feel guilty. And I think that um, that's an incredible message to remind everyone that, you know, to take that time to recover and rest. But it doesn't have to be hours or days. It can be, would you agree, like in a busy life, uh, maybe a family, somebody head of the household who has taken all this time to train for something big and now is on the other side of it, that even just a little bit every day adds up. Definitely. Yeah. And then it was uh, touching on what we were talking before, like that evidence of like, you know, what, the way you talk to yourself, if you're guilty, like, okay, this is data. Why do I feel guilty? And then going deep into that, uh, it doesn't have to be super deep. Like, oh, I need to understand just holding space for how you feel. And that's a practice that we need to do every day. And I think that is the most challenging But uh, we're here to remind, you know, our patients and our clients that we're all doing that. And then we all, we got our back. Right? We all support each other. And that little is, because even if you spend like 30 days after a race and you're like meditating and whatever, you know, that doesn't really change the fact that it's that subtle 
awareness where you're like, oh, I feel this way. What's up with that? And that's all you need to do. You know? It's so subtle, right? And you can do that while you're with your family or when you're training. It's just a re constant reminder. We fall off the wagon, we get back on it. It's, it's again a balance. It's always a balance that we have to do it every day. Just checking where your, the balance is and not where it should be or where it's not. It's just what it is. Perfect. Let's wrap, let's wrap it up and uh, put a pin in it there. You're on um, Instagram? I yeah, am. Where can people find you and, and follow you? Yes, uh, you can find me at dr.alexberger on Instagram. And my website is dralexacupuncture.com. And uh, all my information is there. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Alex, for, uh, for being here. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow for my appointment. Oh, amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs>